Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Good morning to you. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. good. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to hang out today on TPQ20. I'm glad we finally got schedules uh, to work out. Nobody's super sick at the house, and we're doing, we're all doing okay right now. So, Excellent. Uh, yeah. Excellent. Good to so, hear. Thank you. So we always uh, we always like to start off by saying we know who you are, but our audience may be new to you. If you were to give the uh, bio that doesn't sit on the back of dead uncles uh, or with a publicist, uh, who would you say you are? I would say that I'm a farm boy who turned into a city fella and decided that he was gonna write about all that so <laughs> i would i would keep it that simple <laughs> all right that's all right i like that it gives us places to start with um now i do also know that you are a lover of madonna so i uh i i have to ask um well let's just let's just start there what comes first for you music or writing what was kind of your first your first love? So it's interesting that that's where we're going to start and we're going to ask that question and you brought up dead uncles. So <laughs> those two things coalesced at the the exact same time. I think it was March the 14th of 1989. All right. Um uh Madonna's like a the the commercial had debuted on the Cosby show and had aired that Pepsi commercial that got canceled. And then yep. she put out the video with the burning crosses. Like I knew who she was before that, but I wasn't like a, like a crazy mega fan. Right. And that Saturday after that commercial debuted, my mom walked into my bedroom and said, your uncle John David has AIDS and he's going to die. And she turned around and walked out of the room and I sat there and what song came on my headphones, but Madonna's like a prayer. Ooh, okay. And I, there was just something about the synergy and synthesis of that moment. And I, in that moment, I didn't know how to deal with everything that I was all the, just everything that was happening and everything I was feeling in that moment. And I, and I had written like short fiction before that at the right. encouragement of a teacher, but fiction didn't really feel like the place to work through all that. Uh. Um, and I'd had limited exposure to poetry, but I, uh, I just started writing poetry because it was, it was sort of the combination of word and music and, it was really just a venue to sort of have an outlet to deal with what had just happened and what had been revealed and how that just completely changed. Right. Like I had known my uncle was gay and had been around his friends and like that, but the full scope and, you know, I was old enough. I was 14 at the time. So I was old enough to know what was going on in the world and the politics right. of the Reagan administration and then the Bush administration. But 
that moment where all those things came together, just mm. sort of Madonna and my uncle and AIDS and queerness and my own hormones. And then the way my mother delivered that information, it just uh. became like this hard turn is, and poetry just became a part of my life at that point. So all those things came together. I mean, it is a, it's a, yeah. it is a, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful story, be it tragic or, or, you know, be it foretelling of where you were going to head as a writer. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. what a great, what a great synthesis to have, to have a moment and a song that actually really does fit that moment. Uh, that's Eerily a- so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then when, when do you, when does it come time for you to start thinking about publishing? What, uh, what was the catalyst for that? Was there somebody who kind of pushed you in that direction or did you just get tired of sitting on a mountain of what you thought was good stuff? So I actually, my first byline was in 1994. Okay. I actually published a few things and was paid for it back when I was an undergrad. Ooh. And right. I still have the check that I was paid by a literary journal for an 824 word story. They paid a penny per word. I yep. still have that check. That's amazing. <laughs> now, do you, what, do you remember the, the name of the journal? Oh, I don't remember the name of the journal or the short story because that was a really <laughs> long time ago. So, yeah, I like. I studied writing in undergrad, won several awards, published a few things and con- kind of continued publishing. And but then I just kind of got out of it. Um, and then I I moved a couple times and just kind of I kept writing. I've I've I literally have like a 500 page file of poems that I wrote between like 2000 and 2010 mostly on this really atrocious live journal that I had back in the day <laughs> oh yes um <laughs> although I have salvaged quite a few draft ideas was, from that that have become I was say, published poems yeah, it's so much so. fun to talk to to talk to poets because you know that it's it's interesting you know I I'm I'm 41 so my and I've been teaching for 20 years. So my experience with like Tumblr and Live Journal come kind of from watching my students. And it's been amazing lately to talk to all these poets who with Tumblr uh saved their Tumblr pages. And now they get to go back through all of these, all of these bedroom yeah. nightmare poetry that they, you know, that they wrote as middle schoolers or high schoolers. So so then uh are you are you the 1994 version of yourself still as a poet? Not, not even. <laughs> no, because, you know, that that person was very steeped in what writing professors were having. Mm. I, I studied who was my main poetry professor, John McKernan, I think was his name. Uh, and then John Van Kirk, who had just won to know Henry and came into our program was our fiction professor. Okay. So I had these two like uh boomer guys teaching us creative writing and so it was a very traditional (laughs) sort of reading curriculum but I was going off and and trying to read like Tom Gunn and Joe Bolton and Mark Doherty and people like that and Rita Dove and and then a little later like Denise DeHamel and people like that was what I was trying to read in that time period Denise would have been after I was out of undergrad 
Um, but yeah, no. And, and I kept reading poetry, like old stuff that I hadn't been exposed to through, you know, your traditional education system. And then always right. trying to read like what was new and current, but you just can't capture. I was talking to a poet on Friday and she named off four people. And I'm like, I have never heard of those people. And you just realize <laughs> the scope of literature just in the last 20 years, it's oh, impossible man. to have read all of it. It's so crazy. <laughs> I wish I had that much time, but I don't even think if I was independently wealthy and could just read all day and my eyes could handle it, that I would be able to do it. So oh. yeah, no, not, not that poet because I think I'm the version of that writer for the for the, the modern era because i think a lot of my concerns are still the same but i definitely Ooh, okay. don't write and construct in the same way and i've picked up new concerns particularly in that there was like a 10-year period where i was writing more fiction again than i was poetry mm. and so i picked up like i'm so obsessed with like the analog versus the digital having i was just talking to somebody about this having lived through both three eras of <laughs> fandom and three eras of like, you know, cause I started in the SASE days, right? <laughs> and actually one of my last bylines in the nineties. Oh For God, those who don't it? know what that yeah. is, the self-addressed stamp envelope. envelope. Oh, man. And if you did not include that stamp, you might as well, that was that piece was gone forever. What, what was the point? You just wasted your coin, your pennies on the printout at the <laughs> library. Like you weren't going nowhere. Oh. And then- printed had a couple short stories show up in like really early um digital journals i remember one of the oh, oh god I, I wish i had well i don't know where the disc is but <laughs> one journal that i was published in you got sent the three and a half by five floppy of the issue oh my like they had a, a rough website where they would put like two or three of the pieces in like the old Netscape oh my God. from yeah. like 1997. And you got, I had a, it's somewhere in one of my storage boxes. Of course, um, nobody has what can play it anymore, but. Oh, I can play it here at work. I oh. work at a big university library. I could totally oh, go downstairs go. and pull it up if I ever could find it in my storage unit. But yeah, it was a little blue uh, three and a half by five floppy. I'll never forget getting that and like a little bubble thing in the mail. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm digital. Like I was so excited. Well, that cost <laughs> that cost a good deal of money for that journal to send out oh, that time. Oh, that's yeah. I mean, that's no joke. Well, that was your that was your payment too. yeah. Um, your uh, payment for the issue was just that disc with the physical <laughs> copy. So, you know, some things <laughs> haven't changed um yeah so and then so i picked up a lot post that and moving to now like the 94 poet versus the 2024 we'll say yeah it's the same concerns but added things like the analog versus the digital and just like how publishing has changed mirrors how culture and fandom has changed and i'm obsessed as a gen xer with being <laughs> growing up and starting fully analog and then one version of digital and now really the last few years we're moving into this totally yeah. new version of digital and especially now with the ai stuff which i mean it, everybody's acting like it's new but i'm like you've all no. had siri on your phones for how many years now <laughs> so it's not that new but <laughs> when yeah. mla has already told you how to cite it in this in a you know in a paper yeah. I, it's been out yeah. there for a minute i have been playing i teach middle school and we've been playing around a lot with with chat gpt because oh wow well because what a brilliant like 
for i mean it doesn't it's going to get scary when it can start like citing sources and things like that but what a like for for me it's been a fun like teaching tool for quick like quick instructions on how to do certain things or like my students yeah. were writing procedurals the other day but i have found the one thing that it cannot do yet at least is in no way can i get it to write a non-rhyming poem um and i've told it oh I've given yeah it different i've given it different things but i think the word poem for them still means it it has to rhyme somehow so i'm i'm excited or scared for when it when it can do different things yeah that goes back to who's programming these things and what right. they think a poem is right <laughs> so that has a lot that that really influences its ability to do that well and i i think it's interesting too that you just talked about the citations and stuff i mean at universities we already have things like ref works and that oh, kind of yeah. stuff that kind of already has been doing oh, that absolutely. for a while you know yeah, it's, it's yeah it's, and everyone's worried oh the kids are gonna cheat and da-da. i'm like y'all are not in reality because the people who want to <laughs> do that stuff are already doing it and already <laughs> had figured out the software to do it so it's so much off. i mean you know it's it, at least they're more innovative ways i mean I like the innovative ways that students cheat now with technology. Like it's, you know, it's, oh, yeah. it's I mean, where well, we used to write it on our arms or like I used to sell note cards of like the answers to math tests in the back of the classroom before tests. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> but like now you just send it in a text message and shows yeah. up on a screen yeah. somewhere or on your computer that you're using for it. It's, it's crazy. Oh, so, yeah. So you were saying before before we got onto this, you would you started to talk about uh, you know you had this this five hundred page journal, um, with with all that you've kept, um, you were saying that you do find snippets of kind of pieces of the old from the old you know you to use yeah. today. So how different you know you, you said the ideas are still the same how hard is it then to look back at the voice you had then um or what influence when you when you find those pieces that you that you kind of stumble on and you're like ah this was a gem what's kind of the translation process of that for you bringing it to a new a new era well part of it is the language it, it's an application of changes in language changes in vocabulary changes in craft you know i i I was terrible. I will freely admit the college me was terrible at enjambments. And I think oh, I do God. a much better job with it now. <laughs> but but the kernel that I always find, and I always I make this joke, it's part joke but part true, is that I always feel like my poems that really work are the ones that sound like my poetic version of a square dance call. And so there's Ooh. that certain rhythm, like it's on the fiddle and it might have a little bit of guitar behind it, maybe a little banjo, but it's it's at a certain like musical pace, like a three, four or whatever. And it's funny to go back into both both my box of printouts of all my college era writing and into the nineties that are all on floppy. Well, I've converted <laughs> all those and they're in Google drive now, yep. but then the live journal stuff. And it's always that music is there. Mm. Like that musical part of it is what is usually how I can identify, Oh, this is something I can use. Maybe I have to update the language, update the diction, think about, how i of today would articulate this versus the me then right. but the music is almost always there and 
I've been fortunate with that because it took me a long time to figure out that was my voice as a writer. Mm. And it's funny to then go back into older work and see the spots where that voice was either there fully formed or trying to be there, which it Ah. still is when I, you know, write any given day. Right. But yeah, it's, it's that music. I like that. Well then. So I, I do think you're the first poet I've spoken with who's referenced square dancing. So that that's <laughs> that is a you know in 150 something conversations I've had that is that's impressive. So uh, with with kind of the way that music plays into your world in general, are you someone do you, do you write with the lights on or the lights off? Do you have to have music with you, or can you write in silence? Oh, I can, I can write anywhere. I'm that person. (laughs) And I, yeah, I can write on demand and on the spot a lot of times. And oftentimes that right off the cuff actually ends up being pretty good. Cause I do this thing (laughs) and it drives my fiance crazy where we'll just be out walking and I'll just start, I'll pick a tune or a song and I'll just Mm. start making up new lyrics to it, like right on the melody. And he, sometimes he's like, that was really good. How do you do that? And then other times he's like, that's a howler, put it in the trash. (laughs) Um, But yeah, when I, when I'm sitting down for like a focused writing session, I'm such a Gemini about this. I like a certain regimentation. I always have my beverage, either cold ice water or cocktail or coffee. And I have, I do a playlist per project. So I have a general playlist if I'm just doing generative work but if I once something becomes a project, that project gets a playlist and Ooh. I just play that on repeat. And so because, it, you know, once you are familiar with that music and the mood that that playlist yeah. creates, it puts you immediately into that creative space to work on that project. So and yeah, I could so, do a whole episode of a couple hours on my playlist and like what's I in was it. Gonna, I was going to ask, like, there's, there's obviously, I mean, you know, we, I think we both come from obviously that era of old school mixtapes and hitting, yep. you know, pause, yep. record, pause, play record button way too many times. Yep. So, you know, we know how long it takes to put together a proper playlist. So does that ever become a distraction tool for you? No, it's so a part of the process and I'm usually, Usually when a, when a, if I'm writing something and I'm suddenly like, oh, this could be a chat book. I immediately, the song that's playing when that happens, I start there and I build it out in like a, like a relic circle, almost like the discard pile in Mahjong. And it, it becomes like that force that holds the project together, but lets it move like the galaxy, like outer space, oh. almost like a spiral galaxy. And so the songs play on all different pushes and pulls of that. So yeah, like a playlist might start with an old school print song and then jump right to like FK Twigs or Casey Musgraves or, um, Oh, a recent favorite is Samara Joy, who just won the Best New Artist yep. Grammy, the jazz singer. Oh, yes. my goodness. So good. Like the tones of her voice are just the tone. She could just sing notes. Yeah. And I'm, I would it would make me want to write poetry. It's so crazy. Oh, I love that. Well, as we kind of shift toward toward the end here what uh we always like to ask at the end you know who are you reading who's who are you excited about these days and then what's coming up next for you oh gosh 
I hate these questions because I can't ever remember titles or names. I am so it's, you, it's, it's all right. I'm, I'm right there with you. I ask the questions and I know that I'm not, I like I go back with a pen and a pad after all these like, OK, wait, but here's the thing. If you ask me what was the number one song in like April of 1990, I can like go through the list and like rattle it off like some kind of bizarre movie character. But no, I, I kid. What am I reading right now? I'm actually not. I don't read a lot of poetry when I'm in a heavy yeah. writing mode and I'm in a heavy rewrite mode right, right now. So I'll go back to old favorites. I've been uh, rereading. Oh, my God. I love Victoria's Chang's latest book, The Trees. Oh, yeah. Every Oh, my God. I can't remember the title of it. And uh, rereading Richard Seacon's Crush. Mm. Always, and, always a good one. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh, I just reread My Atlantis a little bit ago. But the main thing I'm reading right now is a book called Your Brain is a Time Machine, Ooh. The Physics and Neuroscience of Time. Um, oh. oh, it's like blowing my mind. Like All right. the whole argument versus presentism and eternalism and temporal linear thinking and thinking about how you can how we can apply that to poetry. Like the human brain wants to intake all information in a linear format. So wow. how do we manipulate that in poetry? Uh, like the physics of time in poetry, like how can we use that? I mean, a lot of people sort of do it instinctively, but I really want to think purposely about it and sort of experiment with that. Oh, that so sounds, in sounds yeah. incredible. That's I mean, super fun. There's yeah, a... Oh my God. There's a uh, my one of my favorite albums is uh, Our Lady Peace uh, Age Spir uh, Spiritual Machines, and they took it from a book. Uh, Ray Kurzweil wrote this book about um, taking the universe back to the first billionth of a second, and how everything expands from this first billionth of a second to now. And that kind of made me think about that. But God. To, Talk yeah. about that in the world of poetry is phenomenal. I'm definitely yeah. gonna have to check that out. I, I'm what else have I been? I just reread Camus, The Myth of Sisyphus. All right. Um, yeah, I'm God. Well, God, I gotta think of more poets though. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, I just finished Sage Jones's new book, The End Alive of the World. At the end of the world. Alive yeah. at the End of the World. Oh. I just finished that. That's a fantastic phenomenal book. book. And, um, oh my God, my friends that are poets that I've read their books are going to like, what's wrong with you? You didn't mention my book. I'm like, cause I can't, I never ask me songs and I can like rattle off a list and put it in ranked order and all this kind of stuff. Ask me writing and literature. And I struggle to remember what I read yesterday. It's so all right. Well, well, favorite, favorite Madonna track that we should all listen to that maybe one that we don't all know, but that oh, we should, this is easy to. Track seven from Erotica, Waiting. All right. It's like acid house jazz with a little spoken word. And like, oh, if you're in if that song, like she was in her 30s and she dispenses some wisdom about letting go and the nature of desire that at 18, I wasn't ready to absorb. But once I hit about 35, I was like, oh, wow, she was telling some truth there. So, yeah, that's that. the song. That's the love song. it. And then what is coming up for you next that we should be looking forward to uh honestly <laughs> not a whole lot i've been in like heavy rewrite mode All right. uh, my long my manuscript twang that's been a 
finalist for the Donald Hall and the National Poetry Series and a few other things. Like I'm still working on it, still trying to get that Ooh. to happen. And uh, I've got a new version of it. I did some editing with some folks that I'm going to submit this year and we'll see what happens. And yeah, then I have another full length I'm working on that's about the arc from Don't Ask, Don't Tell to Obergefell and like what oh, it was God. like like the changing nature of relationships in that 20 some year period and yeah. and the analog and the digital and politics it's very very different from twang and then i've got two th no three chat books i've been working on too with like <laughs> you're just a little bit busy these days yeah well my issue is i have all these things and i'm like i don't think all these things go in one project it would just be too big of a book that no one will want to publish <laughs> and yeah so i'm like oh that's okay i'm i'm down with it so that's awesome. and i want to i'm gonna the other poetry thing on the horizon is i want to start i got to find somewhere to like do some reading and editing again and like be a little more involved in that i launched right. a new poetry series oh here at the university of cincinnati last year called poetry stacked all right. And it's a community engagement series where we have a faculty staff or emeritus poet, a community poet who's not a member of our university, and then a student poet. And they oh. all read together. Um, and it's been a great way to like forge some new relationships and yeah. find we've been finding these strange through lines in the poetry that's just great. And we're having our first multidisciplinary, multimodal event in two weeks cool. where we, we recruited ballet dancers from the College Conservatory of Music's ballet school. And they are going to choreograph and perform dances to long form poems by the poets at the one uh, next month. And that so it's, we're going to have live poetry that's being read and ballet dancers performing a piece they created to that poem like all together in a space it's going to be on the elliston poetry rooms uh instagram feed oh cool don't live here <laughs> in the area that anybody in the world can watch it on uh march that's the 8th so, at 4 30 p.m eastern standard time yeah that's so, so exciting well cool yeah i look forward to all that is to come from you yeah. your surrounding area then uh, thank you so much for uh, taking a few minutes today of your time and hanging out with me on TPQ20. It was an absolutely, absolute, yeah, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. This is fun. I love podcasting. I love it. <laughs> so much fun. Thank you. And I will, uh, I will talk to you soon. I'm sure. Have a great thank rest you. of your day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.